Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Amen. Can you hear me out there okay? Yeah? Amen, amen, amen. Hey, welcome. Welcome to the Easter service with New Vision Church here this morning. Um, hey, we're excited for you to be. If you're new with us, welcome uh, to this family. We're excited that you're here this morning. Um, a couple of things, guys. If you are new this morning, in the back right behind the sound tech team here is we have a gift for you this morning. So feel free to go over there. We got a little gift. We just want to say thank you for coming out or uh, visiting with us. Uh, it would behoove me to share this this morning or my wife would kill me that, guys, women, we're starting a women's uh, a Bible study this week, and so um, it's on prayer. So I want to encourage you to go to newvision.city and sign up for the women's uh, prayer study on prayer. want to encourage you to get involved. If I don't say that this morning, I'm going to get it this afternoon. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. So, hey, um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. If you've been joining us, we've been doing a sermon series called Resurrection Hope this morning. And uh, we're going to continue on with that study uh, this morning as we journey. So 15, 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. Look, it's starting at verse 35. We're going to be there. I'm going to try to step back a little bit here as uh, the sun is glaring on my notes and it's having difficulties. But hey, what a year it has been. Think about it. A year ago today, we were online and we weren't gathering a year ago today, we were doing service, Easter service online, right? Who would have thought we'd be going through the things that we're going through, right? But this morning, God has something special for us. We're under this pandemic, so we're gathering outside to kind of be respectful of the CDC request, and we got, we're masked up, or we're social distanced, right? But we're also wondering how much more longer will this be, right? Amen? We're asking, Lord, how much more will this be? And I think that it's brought a lot of emotion. This season has brought a lot of emotions out. Like, you know, we've been battling with family and friends, either through the pandemic, really through the politics, through the president, all the stuff that we've seen happen this year. It's been a crazy season for all of us this morning. And, and sometimes we have, we've kind of been isolated. We've, we've kind of gotten away from community of friendship to more of this canceled culture experience. Really, right? We have argued and been aggressive in our own thoughts and our own actions. You only have to go to Facebook and Twitter and all that's going crazy out there that we've seen more division than we have seen unity. I think we're looking a little bit more for a little sense of hope because I think in some way we've lost the sense to love our neighbor as God has loved us. We've kind of lost our way in the craziness of the time. We've kind of lost our way. 2020 and 21, we know, has been a year of a lot of loss, a lot of death, right? In fact, between the racial tension, the political agendas, and the pandemic, we've all been affected by it. In fact, the pandemic has touched many of us. San Diego We've seen over 3,500 people that have passed away. On the state level, we've seen 59,000 deaths. Basically, 
over half a million in our country and 2.83 million worldwide through this pandemic. I think we're looking for a little bit of hope this morning. Add to that the daily stresses of life. Add to that the craziness that we're experiencing with our emotions, this fear and anxiety and depression and fatigue. We're just not certain about what's next. I think we need a little bit of hope. This week, I, I got a phone call from a, a good friend of mine who called me and, and shared with me. He said, Pete, I've been diagnosis, diagnosed with fourth stage lung cancer. And I only have six months to live. But he said, I praise God because God has been good to me, he said. How can a man who knows in six months he's going to uh, pass on, how can a man respond in such a way as my friend did? You know why? Because he has resurrection hope. He has a future. That's why he can respond the way he responds. Guys, we've been journeying through 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we've been working through a sermon series called Resurrection Hope. Last Sunday, we opened up with talking about the resurrection and that at the resurrection, many witnessed his resurrection and saw the resurrection hope. Friday, we talked about how the resurrection destroyed death. And it's the hope of our resurrection. And this morning, I'm going to talk about our resurrection hope in light of his resurrection, that we have an inheritance of future for us this morning. There's a reason why Jesus came. He was always on mission. He was always on point because he loved us. And he had a hope for us. And he had a future for us. So when we come to chapter 15, we know it's the longest chapter in the book of Corinthians. Why? Because this whole chapter is really about hope. He's sharing about hope. And he opens up in verse 35 with a question. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and there was this question that was posed to the people. And it read like this. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what body will they come? Let me, let me retranslate that a little bit. Let me give you my version. It says this, what will happen when you die and what will you look like? That's the question that's being posed. And Paul the Apostle, who's the writer of this book, is writing to the church saying, let me break it down because I don't want to leave you in the dark. I want to give you some hope. I want to give you a hope for a future because if you look at what, all that we've been going through, look at all that's been happening, guys, it seems like we have no hope. And then people are fearful of death. Sometimes we run more to the vaccine than we run to Jesus because we have more hope in the vaccine than we do in Jesus because we're so fearful of what is to come. But let me tell you something this morning. We have hope in the resurrected Jesus. Now, with this question, there are a lot of views and uh, opinions, from annihilation to, to reincarnation, but the believer believes in the resurrection, and we believe in our resurrection. You see, in the resurrection story, what appears to be a setback was a setup, because the comeback is always stronger than the setback. And so we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at the hope of our resurrection. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and your blessings and your goodness and your mercy 
and your grace. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're going to look at three things this morning. The first one is this. Paul uses nature to describe our resurrection. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 36 to 39. You know what? Cemeteries can make most people feel uneasy. They remind us of the details and the loss of, of loved ones. But do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Because this is not our final resting place. It's not. We say that, you know what? I've laid them to rest. Yes, in faith we've been laid to rest. But in the future, there is a resurrection. It's only a temporary rest. Though for the believer, the body rests, but the soul goes to be with Jesus because the Bible says there we're absent in the body, but we're present in the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That there's a hope of our resurrection. And so we have to understand this this morning. Death precedes life. Death precedes life. You see that in verse 36. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. We see that in verse 36. Foolish one, it says, opens up foolish one. We know we just celebrated April Fools, did we not? The Bible says that a fool says there is no God. Without a faith in God, we won't believe in the resurrection. Without a trust in God, we don't believe there is a future. And so he's beginning to address the issue of the thinking of that day. He says here, foolish ones, right? Foolish just means without reason or without intelligence. Paul will address the resurrection issues here. He's going to address the issues of the resurrection. Paul was responding to the foolishness of the day because the foolishness of the day, they didn't believe in the body resurrection. In fact, they thought the cross, they thought the cross was foolishness. To the world, the cross is foolishness. They thought the resurrection was foolishness because how can a body resurrect? They, in that day, in that culture, they believed a thing called dualism. Dualism was the fact that the, the body was evil, but the spirit was good. So the spirit could go be with God. How can the body be with God if it was evil? That was the thinking. And Paul was saying, look it, I'm going to address some things in a reasonable manner. I'm going to address the foolishness of your thinking because don't be foolish with the fact that God can provide a resurrection. In fact, when Paul was addressing King Agrippa, dealing with the resurrection, who was an expert of the Jewish law and the Jewish culture, he said this, what does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? Acts 26, 8. Why is this such a crazy thought that God, you could resurrect, cannot resurrect us? Why would we have trouble with that? Then he goes on to proceed to break it down for us, how that is and what that means. He says, one must die before he resurrects. He says here, he talks about a seed being sown, right? What you sow, what you deposit must die before it grows. We know that when we plant seeds to do plants, we plant seeds, right? That seed must die and decompose. It must cease to exist as a seed before it can become a life as a plant. Death is the process of life. What Satan meant for evil, God turned to good. When Jesus was crucified, he died. His, his body was like a seed. It was planted in a tomb, but he resurrected with a, a new body. There had to be an end of the old for there to be a new to come. Thus, 
the resurrection. But as Paul continues with the start in verse 37, he says, what appears is different than his planning. It says this, and what you sow, you do not sow that the body shall be but mere grain or perhaps wheat or some other grain. What is he saying? He's saying this, what is planted, what is put in the ground, what is sold is different than what is produced. He talked about grain or kernel, wheat or other grain. It's small, but what will go in will come out differently. Think about Peter, James, and John. They went up to a mountain and they saw Jesus transfigured. That experience on a mountain was with Jesus when he showed him his resurrected body. It was a foreshadow of what was to come. And those only three saw it. But after the resurrection, he appeared before the disciples in a resurrected body. And yet he was human and yet he was spiritual because he ate with them. He broke bread with them. And yet he walked through walls. See, in Jesus' new body, Jesus' body was not limited to time, space, material substance, but what came out of the grave was different from what was placed in the grave. In fact, when Thomas, the disciple Thomas, didn't believe in Jesus, he was called Doubting Thomas. He says, I won't believe until I see him. And Jesus appeared to Thomas and showed him his wounds and showed him where he had died. And he said, Thomas, blessed are those who believe they haven't seen, but you believe because you have seen. Jesus was all human and yet he was still God. Jesus had a human body as a scene of what was to come, a new resurrected body. It was a picture of what was to come. But we know this, there will be some similarities. Look at verse 38. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed his own body. Though there are differences in plants and seeds, there are similarities between the old and the new. Psalm 139, 14 says this, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. You're created beautifully. You're created in the image of God, right? We are beautiful people created in God's image. And in the garden, he gave us a blueprint of that creation. And with each seed, there's a capacity to produce. The seed looks familiar, but the plants look different. For example, if I plant three different types of seeds, Watermelon, pumpkin, squash. I plant it in the same soil. I water it and it brings forth three different kinds of fruit. A watermelon, a watermelon, a pumpkin, and squash. The seeds are familiar, but the fruit is different. Our resurrected bodies, as believers, we similar to the ones we have now. Our bodies will die and change form, but they will still be our bodies. Our bodies will change to fit the new environment. Our glorified bodies will be diverse, made ready for heaven. We see that picture written in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says this, after these things I look and behold a great multitude which no one could number, all nations, tribes, people, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, they're worshiping and crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. That picture is this, guys. Heaven will be a multicultural, multilingual, multi-ethnic, multinational place 
That's the picture of the kingdom of God. We sang today in Spanish and in English. They're going to have Spanish worship and English worship and Kali and all types of languages in heaven, and they're going to worship the resurrected God, and we're going to be a part of that choir. That's a picture of heaven. So he uses nature to illustrate the resurrection. But here's the second thing. Paul gives a description of our resurrected bodies in 1 Corinthians 15, 39 to 44. You know, the West Coast really doesn't have, the West Coast really doesn't have seasons like the East Coast, you know? Our weather is so sporadic. You woke up this morning, it was overcast, and then it's sunny, right? Early in the week, it was 80, and then it's 60, right? But we have to understand, so many of our bushes all look the same here on the West Coast. But when it rains, something supernatural, those dead plants, they come alive and they sprout flowers that have been dormant for so long. We begin to see the beauty of the plants. That will happen at the resurrection. These new bodies will come alive and we will see the beauty of the glory of the new body. It will be beautiful. And Paul will give more details about the beauty of our resurrected body in verses 39 through 41. Look at this. Every creation, every creation has its own form. 39 to 41 says this. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of animals, another flesh and another birds. There's also the celestial bodies and the terrestrial bodies. The glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. In verse 39, it illustrates the diversity. Look around you. You see the different shapes and sizes of of people. For the most part, we have arms and legs and eyes and noses. The diversity in look, but yet we're similar in form. Yet there's also distinction between the flesh of men and the flesh of animals. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, on the third day, God created all living things. And after each creation, he said it was according to its kind. Animals created animals. Fish created fish. Birds created birds. But birds didn't create fish. And animals didn't create birds. And monkeys didn't create man. Why? Because it was not according to its kind. In creation, God was a creative God. He was a creative God. So when you get to 40 to 41, he speaks of the glory of each of the bodies, about the glory of the creation. Guys, we have physical bodies. We call that the terrestrial. And that physical body is glorious. And we also will have spiritual bodies. We call that the celestial. The physical and the spiritual are different in capacities. In fact, the physical body can't live in space or underwater like the fish or the moon and sun or the stars. It has limited capacity. But the spiritual has the external existence beyond the physical, and it's greater in capacity and ability. But just like the sky reveals their glory, like the beauty of the sun and the moon and the stars, our heavenly bodies are different than our earthly bodies, but our bodies are different from each other just as the sun and the moon and the stars. Yet each of these are in the same realm. In the heaven realm, there will be diversity. God's character has never changed. His creative in the physical as well as in the spiritual. Though the fish is limited to the water and the beast to the land and the sun, moon, stars to the sky, and the natural man has a limited ability in heaven. Anything is possible for the resurrected body, for the celestial is greater than the terrestrial. 
And so what Paul goes on to do is he begins to contrast the natural body with the spiritual body. Look at verses 42 to 44. So also is the resurrection of this. This is what happens when you resurrect from the dead. The body is sown in corruption, is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, is raised in power. It is sown the natural body and is raised the spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. What Paul is saying, let me just break it down, what the body looks like after the resurrection, what the body looks like the natural man and the spiritual man. It's sown in corruption and it's raised in incorruption, it says in verse 42. What does it mean by that? The corruption. That means that we're vulnerable to sickness as we've seen with COVID. We're vulnerable to death. It means we're perishable. In fact, the corruption is dealing with the natural man. Guys, we try to cover that up every day, right? When you got up this morning, some of you put up makeup and the other ones put on cologne. You're trying to, just, you're trying to cover up that which is dying, that which is perishable. Some of you are working out pretty, pretty faithfully that your life would be extended a little, a little longer. But we have to deal with the inevitable, which is death, right? It has been affected by the sin virus that breeds death. That's the corruption. But when we resurrect with the new body, it's incorruption. It's imperishable. This new body is indestructible. That's what it means to be resurrected. The curse of death has been broken and we have defeated sickness and death. Check it out. We don't have to go get our yearly physical at the doctors because we're hanging out with the great physician already. That is the picture of the resurrected body. First Peter 1, 3 and 4 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Then he says, sown in dishonor and raised in glory. Dishonor. In the garden, the fall brought dishonor produced our sin nature, and we just honored God with our shortcomings and our sin and our failures, that there was a rebellious nature that rooted up into us. We fought against God, and we ran away from God, and we did our own things and lived our own way, and, and we made ourselves God. But Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But at the resurrection, we're raised to glory. We're raised to honor. We're, we're exalted state. We have, we have value. God died for us because we have value. And there's no more shame and there's not the walk of shame. We have a, our own glorification, our own crowning, our own encouragement, affirmation for God when he says, welcome and good, faithful servants. Our salvation becomes complete at our glorification when we're with Jesus in heaven. Romans 8, 16 says this, for I consider that the suffering of this present time. Do you understand what we're going to? I consider the suffering of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. What we're facing today is only temporary, but there's a glory coming in a resurrected body. But it says it's sown in weakness and raised in power in verse 43. Weakness. Bodies, our natural body, this physical body we have here right now has limitations. Our strength and endurance is limited. That's why you went to sleep last night, because you had to be recharged. It had to be recharged. 
We face disease like COVID and cancer and mental health and our bodies and minds are frail. But understand in heaven, you'll be raised in power, this body. We'll have supernatural strengths, special abilities. Real superheroes will rule and reign with Christ, 2 Timothy 2.12. Power can mean position. In fact, if you look at passages in Luke 19, it says those that have been raised today might even oversee cities and towns. We have position of place and prestige. We will have a supernatural power who will no longer say the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then we're sown the natural body, raised a spiritual body in verse 44. We saw that the natural body was suited for this kingdom, not the internal kingdom. The natural cannot exist in the spiritual. The spiritual body, the resurrected body, we will be made to fit the eternal. We will not be, the, we will not be angels, but like them, we'll be equipped and suited for heavenly living. The resurrected body will be able to exist for all eternity, and it is without limits. It's hard to imagine what this body will look like, but I can only imagine the Apostle Paul in his writings when he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And then I close with this. Paul closed it, summing this up, summing his whole thought about our resurrected bodies is this. In the second Adam, we find resurrection hope. Verses 45 to 49. There's a story of a man who was looking for a tavern called Hell's Gate in New York City, but he couldn't find it. So he asked for directions and the person gave him directions and said this, you see that church over there? It's called Calvary Church. You pass Calvary, and you will get to hell's gates. This morning, how many of you are passing Calvary to get to hell's gates? Jesus said in his sermon on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you can enter God's kingdom only through a narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and his gate is wide for many who choose that way. The gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only, ever, only a few ever find it. Paul begins to address this issue of salvation. He begins to address the issues about the two atoms because the two atoms represents two gates in 45 to 47. And it is so written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, and the second man is the Lord made from heaven. The first Adam was the natural man, the humanity of man. Paul is quoting Genesis 2.17, the first Adam is a living being. First Adam was created by God from the dust of the earth, and God called it good. He said that was very good, and it breathed life into his nostrils, and he became a, a living being. In fact, the word Adam in the Hebrew means humanity, and in the Greek means dirt. He is the father of all. He is the father of all humanity. He was born of natural birth. So if he was born the natural through the dirt, we are created in the image of God before the fall, but after the fall, we are born in the image of the first Adam. The natural man is the fallen man. Adam sinned in the garden, and all humanity is sinned by stain. 
It is here mankind needs hope. But the second Adam, that's our hope. The second Adam is the spiritual man. The second Adam is Jesus who made from heaven, born of a virgin, and he became the God-man. Christ came to redeem man from the broken state to be the life-giving spirit. He came to defeat death and bring life, and it was through the cross. For Romans 5.19 says, For as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. So there's an order to things, is what Paul's saying. There's an order from the natural to the spiritual, because the natural came before the spiritual. But to receive this resurrection hope, we need to be born in the spirit. That's what it means to be born again or from the natural cannot inherit the spiritual. God rejected the natural for the spirit, spiritual. God rejected Cain over Abel. He rejected Ishmael over Isaac. And he rejected Esau over Jacob. Each of those, one represented the natural, one represented the spiritual. Our one represents all that is natural and other spiritual. So what does that leave me? And where does that leave us this morning? This morning we are to place our hope in the second Adam. We are to place our hope in the second Adam. Look at 48 and 49. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of the dust. And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. What does it mean? We are born in the image of the man of dust. That's how we started. Our fate is ash to ash, dust to dust. Now it's time to bear the image of the heavenly man. In the first Adam, we have inherited the natural body. And through the second Adam, we will inherit the spiritual body at the resurrection. So our faith must be placed in the second Adam. So as I close this morning, Paul has skillfully broken down the hope of our resurrection. He used nature to describe our resurrection. Paul gives a description of our resurrection bodies. And now he's challenging us to put our hope in the second Adam to receive this resurrected body. So we come this morning. Life is about choices. It's about choices. And the question I pose to you this morning is, do you want the promised hope of this resurrection. But to receive it, one must be born of the Spirit. And that only happens by putting your trust and faith in Jesus, by putting your trust in the gospel, the, the good news that Jesus loves you, that he died for your sins and your shortcomings, and he was buried and rose again for the forgiveness of sins and will return again. But let me tell you something this morning. He doesn't force his love on you. He gives you a choice to receive it by faith. You're not a recipient of heaven because you do good works. You're a recipient of heaven because you put your trust in Jesus and his good work. You want to receive the gift of life by faith, the promise of our hope and resurrection. If, if this is where you are this morning and you want to say, I want to be assured. Some of you have been planning your retirement, but there is an eternal retirement you have to consider also. And so this morning, you're at the crossroads this morning as I'm going to offer you an opportunity to receive the greatest gift that you could ever have. 
to be assured that your body will be resurrected with Jesus because his resurrection is the hope of our resurrection. And so this morning, as you stand before family and friends, and this will be the easiest place to stand, not the hardest place, because I know we've been praying for you and we've been asking that God to bring whoever he needs to bring, that they would hear the love of God and the gospel of God. If this morning you want to be assured of that resurrection hope, I want you to have some courage this morning because it takes courage to walk with God. And if this is a place that God's speaking to your heart, I just want you to stand up this morning so I can pray with you this morning. Is there anybody here that just says, I want that resurrection hope? I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else that needs to say, yes, I want that. I want this resurrection hope. You're with me this morning. I just want you to, to pray this with me. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son to die in my place, that I ask for the forgiveness of my sin and leave your son as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit power to believe and follow you. Help me to love you and others as you have commanded. Help me to grow in my faith as I walk with you. I pray this thing believing in Jesus' name. If maybe you made that decision here, whether you stood or maybe in your own heart this morning, I just want to challenge you as the worship team is coming forward and we're going to be closing off that this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. For this is the crossroads. I got a message yesterday from a friend of mine whose brother had just passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack. And she was asking me if I could do his service. But it was unexpected. We don't know the number of our days. And so my challenge, if you've not made that commitment, God is talking, talk to one of the pastors after the service. Come see me. Come see the pastors. We're willing to pray with you because I know there's been a battle in the hearts of the men and the women in this place because there's an enemy that doesn't want you to have that resurrected life. For those that said yes, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the eternal kingdom. But that, the, this is not the end. This is only the beginning. We're to grow. We're to walk. We're to learn. You're babes in Christ, but we're to mature in Christ. We're to grow in Christ. So I want to encourage you to get connected up with our ministry so we can train you and equip you and what it means to walk with Jesus. So I want to pray as we close out and we close in our last song this morning that we're celebrating his resurrection and he's given us a resurrection hope this morning. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, Lord. We thank you for how you've spoken through your word and the hope you give through your word. Father, you, you have prayed, sanctify them with your truth for your word is truth. And I pray your people have been washed and sanctified this morning that they find a little bit of hope today. And that hope is only in Jesus. It's not in government. It's not in politics. It's not in all that we see today. It's only found in Jesus. It's only found in you. For you're going to get, all this is going to pass away. You're going to set up a new kingdom. And you're going to rule and reign in that new kingdom. And we're going to serve this king because we love this king. And so we thank you again for this morning, Lord, for the hope that you've given us through your word. Now I pray your blessings upon your people. 
Just bless them and strengthen them, Lord. Keep them safe in their comings and their goings, Lord. Prosper them during this season of difficulty and hardship, Lord. Father, I pray that you would rise up and your presence would be here and that they would taste and find that you're good this morning. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand as we close Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.